You're tuned in to The Todd Coconado Show, otherwise known as The Remnant, one of the most listened to podcasts in the Christian community. You can visit our website, toddcoconado.com, and now broadcasting live around the world from Music City, USA, Nashville, Tennessee, here's the host of the show, Pastor Todd Coconado. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to the broadcast. We're so thankful that you're here. I hope you're having a good week so far. Uh, we're going to be talking about my book today, but this is that uh, we're going chapter by chapter here. And then what I do is I discuss current events that are intertwined with what I'm talking about in the book, because this book is very current. It's called Come Out From Among Them, and it's a strategy. It actually says why you were made for such a time as this, a strategy on how Christians not only survive, but thrive in the middle of the current environment, but also how we win and how we take back the territory. Because we are in a battle, they call it a culture war, I I call it a spiritual war, a battle of light versus darkness, and if we simply sit back and do nothing, we are going to lose. Uh, There are many wicked plans right now, the World Economic Forum, the elites, Klaus Schwab, uh, guys like Bill Gates, and so many others that have just wicked evil plans and want to see depopulation, Uh, they say it out of their own speeches, it's not like I'm making it up, although Facebook will probably ding me for it like they did uh, when I was answering a question this week on the Nephilim, which I'll do a broadcast on. Uh, you know, it, it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. It talks about Nephilim. It, it, it's in Genesis. So I was simply answering from a biblical standpoint, and I actually had Facebook say, you know, they fact-checked it and said that it's false information, and they actually dinged my account. This is where we're at. This is where we're at, friends. So... That's why podcasts are so important, and I'm thankful that you tune into this broadcast, and please share it. And also, we're in a major battle, a major battle. People don't understand. Uh, there's, there's days, I mean, we are David versus Goliath, and, and we are fighting this battle. People say, why don't pastors get involved? We get involved. I'm, I'm getting involved. I'm on the front lines. I pay a high cost for it. Uh, their warfare is off the chart sometimes. But we care about this country. I'm a patriot. I love America. I want to see our country thriving, surviving, not just surviving, but thriving, like I say. Uh, but we need, we need people to step up. We really do, because th- this battle is getting intense, and the next year or so, it's going to be even more intense. I'm just going to be completely honest with you. It's going to get really hot here in America. Yeah, and I'm not just talking about summer heat, okay? Uh, if you think 2020 was a roller coaster ride, you'll buckle up. Uh, we're, we're already seeing what's happening in Israel where they are pressuring the Netanyahu government uh, very hardcore. It's the same players that did that here in the United States to Donald Trump. It's the same deep state players. And they, they run the mainstream corporate media for the most part. Think of organizations uh, that are out there smearing these people, you know, news organizations. Uh, they're the same players, friends. And so you better believe, just like they're trying to initiate a civil war in Israel, which is a much smaller country, but they're running the same tactics, you better believe they're going to be pushing those things here, especially if uh, Donald Trump is winning. And we know that the numbers that Trump pulls out are far more substantial. Uh, all you had to do is look at his rallies in 2020, and they still are packed out wherever he has a rally, whenever he has a rally. So uh, The Great Reprieve was chapter four. I actually wrote an entire book on this before the 2020 election that is available on Amazon. And 
I'm just going to read some of them and then I'm going to make some comments. You know, when President Donald Trump was elected as the 45th president of the United States in 2016, many spoke of a season of a great reprieve. What a reprieve is, it's a, it's a season where God is giving us a, a rest, a chance to recalibrate. You know, he's, he's giving us more time, uh, divine inspired, you know, like the Lord's hand was on it. In other words, he gave us more time. And whether you like President Trump or not, God allowed the season, which uh, religious liberties and freedoms were protected under his watch as he was very friendly to the church and overall Christian community. This is absolutely true. Uh, the, the Trump White House uh, encouraged Christian leaders to come and lay hands on President Trump, pray for him. There was many different instances where pastors were in the Oval Office. They had the advisory board, uh, which I happen to be a part of at one point, um, you know, the faith team. And, and so, uh, you know, he was very open to Christians and uh, people of God speaking to him from a biblical worldview. He also cared about Israel, by the way, which right now, uh, this current administration is pretty hostile towards the Netanyahu administration in Israel. Uh, his policies, President Trump, his policies, stances, and they made this clear that he was pro-religious liberty, pro-freedom. He also surrounded himself with many of the nation's most prominent Christian leaders who formed what was known as his faith advisory board. Many believe that due to the prayers of the righteous, God gave the church in America some more time to get people saved, set free, healed, and delivered. He gave us more time to awaken those who have been deceived. The question is, how did we steward that time? Is the body of Christ doing what we must to make a difference? We have authority in the name of Jesus to pull down strongholds. We can cancel the assignment of hell against the nation and the world. But the question is, has the church in America and the West stepped up and changed the broken patterns and ways that we had operated prior to the Trump era? Did we change anything? Or did we continue to act as business as usual? Well, as I've written for many years on this topic, it was never about Donald Trump. Although many people like to critique and criticize and analyze every move that he makes, I don't believe that is what God is concerned about. We shouldn't be either, in fact. Uh, you know, we, we weren't looking for a pastor in chief. We were looking for a person that allowed us to practice our faith freely and advance the kingdom, which we found in Donald Trump. He, he was a pro-America, pro-religious liberty, pro-Constitution president. Thank God. And so in my view, God gave his church a second chance to course correct during the era of Trump and that we could focus on souls. And during that time, God started to really separate the wheat from the tares. And the harvest has always been the center of God's heart, always. God cares about souls. We care about souls. It's our main mission here at the ministry. The harvest has always been the center of God's heart. The Western church has become too focused on church growth strategies and the overall mega church environment. Many of you have been grieved by this. And rightfully so. Uh, this has also resulted in a wide gate, hyper, uh, hyper grace, you know, greasy grace, some people call it, seeker friendly Christian culture that I believe has done tremendous damage and is a good reason why we're in the very position that we are today. So what happened in 2016 was a direct response to the prayers of the righteous remnant in America that had been calling upon God's name and worldwide 
who have been crying out to God for revival and for another great awakening. And I believe it was a last minute reprieve, a period during which God was willing to show his mercy, his grace and love and give us a little more time to get it right. You know, one more round, if you will. And I'll explain later in this chapter of the book that I'm reading uh, what one more round actually means, because it was actually a vision that God gave me. Uh, We're still in that period, I believe, but the hour is growing late and the time is running out. How long will this season of grace remain? What do I mean? Well, we're still able to transact in the U.S. dollar. Uh, for the most part, the U.S. dollar is still the global reserve currency. We're still seeing America be the America that we know. Now, of course, it's on a major decline, and many of us can tell that the empire is crumbling. If you want to call it an empire, you know, uh, the American hegemony is crumbling and very rapidly, things are shifting. You see the BRICS nations rising. They're talking about a gold-backed currency that could be rolled out as early as August in this year, like next month. Um, things are changing. The, the world order is changing. People are recognizing China as a great superpower now. Uh, they're, they're going around the United States in oil sales, where it used to be U.S. dollar was the petrodollar, and you had to buy the oil in U.S. dollars. Now there are bilateral trade deals and uh, with the sanctions that happened during the Ukraine war and the initial stages from the United States that actually has strengthened Russia not weakened Russia because Russia has now accelerated their de-dollarization and they are now uh, prospering as a country in fact I just spoke to somebody who was over there and he said that country is prospering he said uh, you know it's not as the American or Western media portray it because they want to make it look like they're winning in Ukraine when that's not really the case. So, uh, you know, there was all this talk about this summer offensive that petered out real quick. Uh, We have not seen any great victories from a quote unquote summer offensive that the media were talking about for so long. So, um, you know, we're at a very important time, a very important time in the world. And this is what we're talking about today. Is the great reprieve over? How much time do we have left to, to be living in the way that we do before things radically change? Are we, are we on the cusp of a major shift in the world? There's uh, prophetic voices I know that I actually trust that are feeling this. They're feeling a great shift is coming. And what is the shift going to look like? And how is it going to affect our lives? Will it minimally affect our lives? Will it greatly affect our lives? Then on top of these things, as we talked about in uh, a previous show, uh, they also have, you know, all this AI that's being rolled out. So there's a lot of major changes. You got the fourth industrial revolution. Uh, you know, you got just a lot of different things at once happening. And uh, this is what we're going to talk about today. So you've tuned in to the Todd Coconato Show, otherwise known as The Remnant. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back to the Todd Coconato Show, otherwise known as The Remnant. Today, we're talking about the great reprieve. It's chapter four in my book, Come Out From Among Them. How long is this going to last? You know, the world order that we're in right now, the the life that we've known, most of us, for most of our lives, all of our lives, unless you come from another country. America has been a prosperous nation. We've been a nation that has been, for the most part, the superpower of the world. And uh, we've held the global reserve and... You know, we're just used to American culture being uh, the kind of deciding factor for the world. But what's happened is America's got very wicked. We've we've walked away from what some refer to as Judeo-Christian values and principles. We're in this uh, very uh, postmodern era now, and they're saying 
that, uh, you know, this stuff doesn't apply anymore. New norms, according to Barack Hussein Obama, who, by the way, I think is pretty much running the White House right now. Would you agree? Uh, him and his handlers. Uh, so as I've written for many years on this topic, it was never about Donald Trump, although many people like to criticize him. I saw a lot of Christians. Did you see that? Criticizing Donald Trump. He's this. He's that. And I always say, well, what's the alternative? You, you want, you know, Biden to be in the White House? Because look at what they're doing now. I mean, wasn't Trump like a million times better to any Christian? Uh, but it's amazing how many Christians, I never even heard them speak out about abortion or different things like that. But then all of a sudden they were speaking out about Donald Trump. I said, this is what you picked to speak out about Donald Trump? He's your biggest problem when, when the world is literally on fire around us. Uh, but I know you've seen those people. I know you've seen those people. Kind of blows your mind. And where are all those people now, by the way? You know, they've kind of all backed into like their little hole. You know, they, they stuck their head out about Trump. And now I haven't heard anything about Biden or his son or what's going on right now in so many different areas, whether it's the war in, in Eastern Europe or the fact that China's saber rattling or just the moral, uh, you know, cliff that we've gone off as a, as a country here at home pushing all this gender nonsense, our military's woke. I mean, I could just go on and on. The border's open. Inflation is skyrocketing. Uh, you know, there's just so many major issues. But yet those people that criticize Trump, I uh, haven't heard much from them. So kind of interesting, right? So during the time God's uh, started to really separate the wheat from the tares, and the harvest has always been the heart of God. And the Western church has become too focused on church growth strategies, the overall mega church environment. What do I mean? You know, the seeker-friendlyism, the hyper-grace, the wide-gate strategy, uh, skinny jeans and lattes, you know, that I believe has done tremendous damage and is a good reason why we're in the position we are today because the church became teethless. We, we lost our ability to shift culture. I mean, not that we couldn't do it, but for the most part, we went inside the four walls and became a lot about entertainment and motivation. And so what happened in 2016 was the direct response of the remnant, you, prayer warriors, those of you that have an urgency in your spirit in America, worldwide, they've been crying out to God and, and you know, asking for revival, a great awakening, revive this dead nation. You've been speaking to the dry bones and, and asking the Lord for another great awakening. And we, we're getting it. I mean, something is shifting. Uh, you know, we've been talking about the tent crusades and the, all the different events around the country where people are getting saved and set free and delivered and healed. And we're seeing lines longer than we've ever seen. And people leaving their drug sacks at the altar and there's miracle signs and wonders happening. Things are shifting. Look at Asbury and, uh, you know, the, 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 all the movies that are coming out now, whether it's Sound of Freedom or, uh, you know, the one, I mean, there's just so many things uh, that have happened. You know, I believe it was a last minute reprieve, a period during which God uh, was willing to show his mercy, his grace and love and give us a little more time to get it right. And that's why I call one more round. He gave us one more round, if you will. Uh, we are still in that period, but the hour is growing late and time is running out. How long will this season of grace remain? Uh, we see the warning signs all around us. We know the wicked are busy making plans and strategizing about how they can rein in those who are willing to stand for righteousness. The culture war, which is really a spiritual war, is reaching its apex. And this period of reprieve, it was given to the American people, but mostly to the American church. It was given to the church. And the spotlight is on the church now. If my people, God wants his body to respond 
in accordance with his will. We can return to business as usual. We need all hands on deck, okay? This is pretty much the message I speak pretty regularly. Uh, We've seen decades of moral decline, a prolonged anti-God, anti-Christianity movement, and a culture of death that celebrates the murder of our most innocent members of society, our babies. Think how wicked that is. And let's face it, our culture has been walking in utter rebellion for quite some time. We must wake up. There is only one uh, of the main reasons God put it on my heart to write this book is to wake people up. It's one of the main reasons I'm, I'm doing these broadcasts is, is, is to hopefully sound the alarm, wake people up. I'm not holding back. If you've noticed my preaching recently, not holding back. I'm just saying it as it is. Uh, you know, some people don't like it. Many people don't like it. You know, I think uh, the, the people that listen to the show are happy that, I, that I'm speaking like this, but a lot of people, my detractors and even a lot of Christians, you know, they don't invite me. They think I'm too radical. Uh, But I'm sounding the alarm because I feel like the hour is very late. And I feel an extreme sense of urgency for the body of Christ to understand what's at stake. You know, and this is our mandate. So I'm going to go through our mandate here. Number one, don't act like it's business as usual. It's not. We must repent for the apathy and complacency that we have walked in for many years and turn from these ways. We have to stop making church a show. We got to get back to the heart of worship and boldly teach the truth, which is the word of God. Uh, Number two, we got to stand for the Bible. We can't cherry pick it or leave out portions of the Bible, water down scripture, or be afraid of losing church members because they might not like what the Bible says. That's nonsense. You got to preach and teach the full Bible. Imagine if every church did this. Every church needs to do this. We are simply the messengers. We're meant to be the salt and the light in the world. It's the truth that sets the captive free. We must make disciples and raise up a generation of young lions to have fortitude to push back against the demonic woke agenda and cancel culture that's invaded our nation and the church like a cancerous plague. Have you seen this? It's even in the church. There's denominations that are going woke. There's pastors that are woke. It's a cancer. It's a lie from the pit of hell. You know, we've got to have the fortitude to understand this is a demonic plan. It's a demonic plan. And it's just kind of crazy to me that I got to even say They've got to teach and preach the entire Bible and that that's like something that's uh, out there to some people. You know, what is church? I mean, do we believe in the Bible or do we not? Of course we do. That's, that's the word of God. So we got to have the fortitude and, and we got to call a spade a spade. Number three, make it about souls. We've got to occupy until the Lord comes. We got to return to biblical evangelism. If we do this, then the nation will be saved. If we miss the mark here, there's little chance we're going to win. There's, there's actually no chance. I was a little optimistic in the book. I said there's little chance. There's no chance. If we don't get back to the main thing, if we stop seeking for all this nonsense and vain imaginations and tickle ear stuff, and I'm telling you, friends, it, it's, a, it's a real moment of decision right now. When I started talking about some of these things a few months back now, I couldn't believe the amount of pushback that some of these folks gave me. They didn't want to hear the full Bible. They don't want to make it about souls. They want some new exotic red meat version of Christianity. And that's very, very scary. So God is giving his people dreams and visions. And people are getting downloads from God prophetically, dreams, visions. Some are speaking about possible calamity and tribulations that we could see soon here in America. We're going to discuss this, what, what could be headed our way. And then I really want to give answers and solutions on today's broadcast. Very, very important answers and solutions to how we actually take back the territory. We can't walk around defeated and depressed. 
In fact, the Bible says don't grow weary in doing good. But there's a lot of people that are weary right now. So we'll talk about this. This is the Todd Coconut Show talking about from my new book, Come Out From Among Them. This is uh, chapter four. It's called The Great Reprieve. And we'll be right back. All right, welcome back to the Todd Coconato Show. Chapter 4 in the book, Come Out From Among Them, available now on PastorTodbook.com, PastorTodbook.com, or anywhere where books are sold. And we are in this talking about, is the great reprieve coming to an end? You know, there's a period of time that God's given us where His grace, His mercy, is still allowing us to have more time for souls. You know, and, and we're now getting through what the mandate is. Look, you know, uh, don't act like business as usual. Stand for the entirety of the Bible, pastor, church. Make it about souls. Get back to the main thing. And then we start talking about God is giving his people dreams and visions. People are getting downloads from God prophetically. Some are speaking of possible calamity. They're warning the folks and great tribulations that could be seen very soon here in America. And their message is either we repent now or we could see a time unlike anything we've seen in our history as a country. Others are speaking of a coming revival, a great awakening, and a powerful move of God. We're already beginning to see signs of this revival, I believe. But, you know, sometimes it's the absolute worst of times that allows for something like that to happen because people are so desperate, and, and finally they break down. Finally they say, you know what, we do need God. When things are good... People tend to forget about God. Look what happened in Israel over and over again in ancient Israel. When they started worshiping idols, they got away from the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And when they started doing things that were against the word of God, against what uh, the law was at that time, they would, they would completely lose their country. They'd be overtaken. And then what would happen is they'd return back to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then they'd be delivered. So it's kind of a pattern if you've seen this, right? And... Um, so listen, here's the thing. Okay, God has shown me it is a time that we get comfortable with being uncomfortable. It's my prayer that God will give us more time. We have to step out of the boat. Look at Jesus in the eye and walk on the water right now. This is a time to take risks. It's a, it's a time for big faith. The answer is not in a political movement or a politician, but rather that the body of Christ must rise up and take a true stand for righteousness. Now listen, I supported President Trump. I will again, but he is not going to fight our battles for us. He may be a factor. Yes, God could use him, certainly, if, if we get through all the nonsense and actually get him in as president. Even then, it would just be the beginning of having to undo a lot of this stuff that's already been implemented. So it would be the beginning of probably a very uh, bumpy season. Let's just be honest, okay? If you think that him getting in there is going to fix everything, that's just the beginning. And uh, not like he does everything perfect, by the way. You know, he's also done things, and sometimes he's duped. We saw that with the Fauci ouchie, right? So the answer is not a political movement or a politician, but rather that the body of Christ must rise up and take a true stand for righteousness. Think of the many pivotal times in history when people had to take a stand for what's right. You know, I think of men like Abraham Lincoln and Thomas Jefferson, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., and so many others that took a great risk and put everything on the line to defend what is right and true. And our generation, let's just be real, has had it pretty easy in comparison, as for the most part, we haven't had to take these stands until now. 
And so we need to understand that the times have shifted and the environment today is much different from where it was 20 years ago. My grandfather was a veteran of World War II and has now gone home to be with the Lord. I often wonder how he would look at the culture and spiritual situation we now face. He would have thought many of these new social norms were absolutely insane and wicked because they are. Yet for some reason, many Christians have been duped in accepting these wicked agendas instead of pushing back and taking the needed stand against them. I mean, we see these so-called churches that are embracing, you know, same-sex marriage uh, and all the other things that are now being pushed uh, with the LGBTQ movement. It, it's, it's really bizarre when you see, a, I mean, how, how more wicked can it be to see a drag queen performing inside a church? in front of kids. I mean, it really doesn't get much. I mean, you've really, we may have actually gone past this, the state of Sodom and Gomorrah at this point. Let's just be honest. So God will respond to the prayers of the righteous, but first we must repent. There's got to be a sincere repentance and fulfilling our mission as the body of Christ. Uh, There's an attack on, you know, of division and fear striking our nation right now. Many people are fearful. God tells us very specifically in his word, he's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. That's 2 Timothy 1.7. We must walk in wisdom and use discernment to navigate all that's currently going on. We've got to be bold and willing to hold fast to what the Bible says, no matter how hard the pressure is against us. We must be empowered by the Holy Spirit to get clear direction from God. This is why each of us, each of us, you, me, anybody that cares, Anybody that that the Lord is calling, we've got to have an active prayer life. We've got to spend time in the secret place, according to Psalm 91. Now, I want to get into this one more round, okay? Uh, Many of you have heard it, but if you haven't, if you're a new listener, I want to explain because I think this is where we are right now from a prophetic standpoint. But this is now, we're already in this for a while. So I don't believe this is going to last much longer. It could last another year, could last another six months. But I I feel like something is going to shift again. So this is the period we're in right now. I call it one more round. With the expanding war in Eastern Europe and the recent global pandemic, societal breakdowns worldwide and many significant geopolitical challenges around the globe uh, have happened. And one could start to seriously question if we are on the verge of total calamity as as a civilization. Will America and freedom worldwide endure the rise uh, you know, of this of this communism that we're now seeing around the world, will, will they endure the shift that's taking place? Will, will we see our U.S. Constitution in place just in a few years from now? Or are the days of the American eagle numbered? This is a question I've been seriously asking the Lord in recent months, as we certainly need divine wisdom, strategy, and intervention in this late hour. We also need revelation and discernment that only God can give us. What happens in America affects the entire globe. The world is watching. China could realistically move in and change the entire global financial order in a very near future. And we know that the World Economic Forum has been talking about a diminished United States and what I think is a nefarious plan they call the Great Reset. Um, There are also so many variables right now as to how this plan could be implemented and rolled out. And some are already underway, like we've talked about the FedNow app and the uh, CDBC, the Central Bank Digital Currency. So we see a shifting global order and the possibility of a new financial system rising in the years ahead. And the U.S. dollar has been the global reserve currency since Brenton Woods, but we're now seeing major cracks in the ceiling of the U.S. dollar's hegemony. Now, I'm one of the only pastors, by the way, that talks about this. 
And, and people sometimes think it's crazy. It's actually not crazy at all. I, I study, I talk to people in the banking sector. Uh, this is absolute information. This is not conspiracy. Uh, this is the status right now. Just people don't know about it or they don't want to talk about it or they think it's something that's going to happen in the very far future. Uh, I believe for sure by 2030, for sure. The ceiling of the U.S. dollar's hegemony is cracking. And we'll, you know, what will happen if the U.S. loses the global reserve status? How will this uh, affect our lives? Looking in the natural, there's no shortage of things to be concerned about. One could certainly be overwhelmed after reading the latest headlines or listening to the corporate media's propagandized narrative. My advice is tune them out. Now, here's why I say, but God, but God, after much fasting and prayer, I hear God saying the time is not yet. We shall have one more round. That's where we are. It's time to speak to the dry bones. We declare and decree that America shall live. We cannot lose hope or give up. We lose the battle only when we give up and surrender. This is why the enemy is pushing so hard against so many of us. He wants us not to, uh, you know, be happy or feel like, you know, we're winning uh, in, in walking out our faith. He wants us to grow weary and feel isolated, defeated, and alone. I'm talking about the enemy. We cannot buy into these lies. The Apostle Paul talked about encouraging ourselves in Christ. I believe this is something each and every Christian must learn to do in this hour. This is why I have a da- daily prayer life, and everybody listening to this should as well. We've got to be calling upon the name of the Lord. We've got to have an active prayer life. We've got to hear from the Lord. We've got to inquire of the Holy Spirit. We've got to have a relationship with God, friends. And it's crucial that we take all this seriously. As the time is growing short, we can no longer afford to mess around. That time's passed. This is a moment for sobriety, a moment in which we must really hunger for God. We also need to close any open doors of sin in our lives and families because if we don't, the enemy is going to use those. We must consecrate ourselves in this time and truly set ourselves apart from evil because the world is just pushing so much evil, so much evil. And so I have to trust the voice of the Lord. Despite what the headlines read, God is telling me and many others that we are not yet done as a nation or a people, but there are strings attached. We must do our part uh, through this book. I am going to be speaking the truth about the evil that is going on, but also laying out a strategy by which we can overcome this evil and be the body of Christ that the Lord desires us to be in his word. That's, that's the answer. People say, what's the answer? The answer is in the scripture. You know, there's seven churches in Revelation. The book of Revelation is the final book of the New Testament. It includes messages from Jesus Christ to seven churches. It's in Revelation chapter two and three. And it's critical that we understand what the Spirit said to each of these churches as we have the same issues addressed in the seven churches playing out before our eyes in America today. These churches were located in seven cities in the ancient Roman province of Asia, present-day Turkey, and were believed to be the primary centers of Christianity in the region during the time of when the book of Revelation was written. The seven churches are as follows. They're Ephesus. Uh, That's the first church mentioned, and it was located in the city of Ephesus, and which was a major port city, and it was a center of trade. And the church in Ephesus was commended for its hard work and perseverance, but It was also criticized for having left its first love and for allowing false teachers to enter the church. So you got the church of Ephesus, which has false teachers. And you got number two, the church of Smyrna, which is the second church mentioned. And it was located in the city of Smyrna, which was wealthy and it was influential. And the city of Smyrna was commended for its faithfulness in the face of persecution and poverty. But it was warned that it would suffer more persecution and trials. Well, we see friends all over the world right now, brothers and sisters in Christ. Think about those in China or North Korea or other parts of the world in in the uh, Arab world that are suffering 
under persecution. Those, those are our brothers and sisters. We, we often don't think about them. But yet right now, right now, there's brothers and sisters in Christ in, in certain parts of the world that are, that are like the church of Smyrna. You know, then there's a, a Pergamum, which is Revelation 2, 12 through 17. This is the third church mentioned, and it was located in the city of Pergamum, which was the center of pagan worship and an imperial cult, by the way. And the church of Pergamum was uh, commended for its faithfulness in the face of persecution, but it was also criticized for allowing false teachings and immorality to enter the church. Have you seen that? Sure, we've seen that here in America. It should be called the Church of America right there. Criticized for allowing false teachings and immorality, right? Uh, then there's Thyatira, number four. Revelation 2, 18 through 29, the fourth church. And it was mentioned, it was located in the city of Thyatira, which was a center of trade and commerce. And the church in Thyatira was commended for its love, its faith, its service, its perseverance. But it was also criticized for allowing false teachings and immorality to enter in their church. So here's the thing. There's immorality that's entering in several of these churches. What does that tell us? That tells us this has been a problem for a while. And right now it's a problem. It's still a problem. So we've got to get rid of the immorality. In order for us to do that, we've got to repent. This is why the message is repentance. You know, we say, well, I don't need to repent. Well, let, if you're a remnant warrior, you're probably living much better than most Christians because you actually care about the scripture and you hunger and thirst for righteousness. But I guarantee you there's people that are listening to this broadcast that need to repent for things in their life. I mean, listen, the Lord's always working on me. You know, I don't ever get on here and profess to be like some perfect guy, but I'm, I'm always trying and I'm always doing my best to go deeper in Christ. That's, that's what the Lord is calling me to do as a believer and as a teacher and to look for open doors, you know? So, um, th- this is a very important conversation. We're going to, we're going to wrap this up here about the seven churches, and then we're going to get into some more, uh, revival history and what we need to do to see revival in America. It's possible friends, and it's already begun, but the church has got to engage. You know, we, we can't just sit this out on the sideline. You know, this is an active battle for our country and for our future, for our kids. And it, it does grieve me to see there's still so many that are asleep. We've got to all wake up. This is high time. We've got to get in and do this. And that's why we talk about these things, because the scripture sets us up for success. We'll be back. This is the Todd Coconado Show. All right, welcome back to the Todd Coconut Show. And uh, this is the last segment, so we got to get this all in here. We're talking about the seven churches right now. But what we need to do, because did the great reprieve, is it running out? Did it run out already? What happens in this next stage? What, what happens after the Lord's grace and mercy runs out for America? And is the church responding? So we talked about Thyatira. We're in the Sardis now, which is the fifth the fifth church mentioned was located in the city of Sardis, which was a wealthy and prosperous city. And the church in Sardis was criticized for being spiritually dead and urged to wake up and strengthen what remained. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, America needs to wake up. Our church needs to wake up. So we're, we're actually multiple of these churches. We've allowed false teaching, immorality. Uh, we, we've allowed the dry bones, spiritually dead. Um, you know, same, same problems here. Now, they got the church of Philadelphia, which is the sixth church. And it was mentioned it was located in the city of Philadelphia. And I always compare to this church because it's a good church. It was a center of agriculture and trade. And the church in Philadelphia was commended for its faithfulness and perseverance. It was promised that it would be kept from the hour of trial that would come upon the whole world. Why? Because they were the empowered church. They were the empowered church. They were the church that were walking in the fullness of what God had to offer. 
That's the church we want to be. And we got to look to them and say, what did they do differently from, from what we're doing right now? You know, what, what is it that the, the church of Philadelphia, we've got to be that Philadelphian church on fire for God, taking back the territory. That's available to us. But we got to wake up. So the seven church is the one we don't want to be. It's Laodicea. It's the seventh and final church mentioned. It was located in the city of Laodicea, which was a wealthy and prosperous city known for its banking industry. Not surprising. So it's kind of like the church in Wall Street. And the church in Laodicea was criticized for being lukewarm and urged to repent. And it was uh, promised um, that those who overcome would sit with Christ in his throne. But you got to repent. You got to repent. See, the message is always repentance. If you want to get to revival, you got to have repentance. Why did God show us the seven churches? He showed us the seven churches to say, look, these same things happened back then that are happening now. But if you repent from apathy and complacency and you, and you get back on fire, you get in my will, you start walking in the anointing of the Holy Spirit and you do what the Bible says, you're going to be set up for success. That's why we wrote come out from among them. This is, this is the rally cry in this hour, friends. Each of the seven churches had unique strengths and weaknesses, and each received a message from Christ through the Apostle John urging its people to repent. Everyone, you got to repent. Overcome weaknesses. Hold fast to their faith. These messages were not only relevant to the churches at that time, but they also serve as a timeless lesson for the warnings for all Christians throughout history. Isn't it interesting that right now we are literally witnessing what John was shown in the book of Revelation in the greater body of Christ. It's important that we take these things into account. We pray and we remember that God said he would spit out the lukewarm. Small is the gate, narrow is the way to salvation. We must apply scripture and understand why God shared these things with us to ensure that our walk with Christ is sustainable for the long term. We live, we, to live as Christ, to die as gain. Scripture tells us we've got to finish well. It also says specifically we've got to endure until the end. The, the Christian walk is a long game. It's not a sprint, but a marathon. We've got to stay on course and stay on mission. You know, throughout history, there's been uh, a series of Holy Spirit-led movements. People call them revivals. They're Christian revivals. They're great awakenings. Movements that are characterized by increased interest in, in Christianity, our faith, an emphasis on personal conversion, renewal of spiritual fervor. Revivals have occurred in different parts of the world at different times, but they all share a common goal, to bring people back to God and to help them experience a renewed sense of purpose and direction in their lives. You know, there was the first Great Awakening in the 1730s and 1740s. There was the second Great Awakening, which was in the early 19th century. There was the Welsh Revival in 1904 through 1905. The Azusa Revival, 1906 through 1915. That one was very impactful, especially here in America. You got the Eastern African Revival in the 1930s through the 50s. You got the Jesus Movement, 1960s, 1970s. You got the Toronto Blessing in the 1990s. Uh, you know, you got to look at the, you know, you went from the 50s to the 60s and 70s to the 90s. I mean, so it's almost every decade there's some type of revival. You got 95 through 2000. You got Brownsville. You know, that's important. The Brownsville revival. Uh, some, some people say that these, these revivals weren't revivals. So there's a lot of arguments over that. Uh, but revival starts in each of us examining our own hearts and getting into a place of true surrender before the Lord. Imagine if the body of Christ did this as a whole, okay? For years, many have sought to operate in a form of godliness while still, while still holding on to the key aspects of their former life of sin. In many churches, this is acceptable. 
It's been the norm rather than confronting areas of sin and love. Uh, many pastors have lost their desire and tenacity to stand firm on God's word and hold the sheep accountable, hold themselves accountable. Let's face it, many pastors are living in sin themselves. And on the corporate side of things, I've seen churches spend millions of dollars, which are, you know, their precious church resources to put on large events, many of which weren't even focused on or related to the harvest. Now, I'm not saying this is always the case, but I've seen it enough times to mention it. And I believe it grieves the Lord. It's time for the body of Christ to make some adjustments and to get back to the main mission of the church. We also need to be, uh, you know, reintroducing accountability, mentorship, discipleship. We got to get back to the blood of Jesus, the cross of Calvary. God wants us to go deep into the deep end of our walk with Christ, deeper waters, where we finally lay down those areas of compromise that we've carried with us throughout our walk and we get serious. As we go deeper in our faith, we'll see the wells of revival beginning to open more and more. You know, scripture tells us that deep cries out to deep. Hallelujah. You know, God's really calling the like-minded. He's, he's calling his ecclesia, the church, to move into a new wineskin season of depth and maturity. We need to desire the meat in our faith walk and not just stay at level one. I talk about this a lot. Are you a level one Christian? You want to go deeper in this season? It's a, it's a critical thing that we go deeper in God's word. During this time, his word's a lamp unto our feet. The Bible tells us that faith comes from hearing the word of God. So many churches barely even dig into scripture. Instead, their pastors preach very basic motivational types of messages. This is a part of the greater problem I call microwave Christianity. I know people who have been in churches for years have never spoken to their pastor even one time. It's unacceptable. You gotta, you gotta know your sheep. You gotta know your flock. You gotta find real shepherds that have love for people. Uh, America, repentance has to be the, the message, America. God shared with me that when uh, repentance becomes mainstream, at least within the true church, and we hear this word being preached all around the country, we will see full-blown revival. Why do we stop preaching such things anyway? It's so important that we teach and preach about the blood of Jesus, repentance of sin, the cross of Calvary, uh, Calvary purity, holiness, righteousness. The microwave Christianity message of hypergrace and motivational bliss will start to fade as people seek real lions and generals in the pulpit. We began to see this during the uh, C-19 era as people sought leaders who were willing to take a stand and not bow down to government overreach and tyranny. You know, both small and larger remnant-type con congregations witnessed exponential growth during the COVID era. While many of those who shut down for long periods of time and who didn't take a stand witnessed their congregations' sizes substantially diminish. People can no longer look to many of the leaders of old who so quickly caved and bowed to unconstitutional mandates and a clear demonic plan to attempt to shut down the church. It blew my mind that strip clubs and Walmart, you know, um, were open and deemed, uh, you know, essential while the churches were deemed non-essential. And that doesn't, you know, just speak volumes about this. If you think about the state of the church and where we were at that time, that our government could deem us non-essential and pastors and many Christians would be okay with this. Yeah, we're not essential. Well, then what the heck are you there for? It's time for the real church, the essential church, to rise up. The Laodicean churches may, in fact, be not essential, but the Philadelphian church certainly is needed, especially right now. The Bible says the forces of evil will be overcome by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of our testimony. So we must turn from our wickedness and return to our first love, Jesus Christ. There's no path to restoring America other than a repentant people of God wholeheartedly turning back to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The American people are being given a chance that's similar to what God allowed in ancient Nineveh. However, if we don't heed this word, 
of the Lord and correct our course as a nation, as a body of Christ, we could go down the path of Sodom and Gomorrah and absolutely could enter into captivity like ancient Israel. Our very freedom is at stake. Everything is on the line here. This entire post-2020 election period has been a shaking. God is using this time to separate the wheat from the chaff and to make clear who's who. The church is being shaken out of its apathy and complacency. We can no longer do business as usual. Something had to change. We cannot go on the way we were. This is why God allowed this period of time, even though it has been uncomfortable and quite disruptive. God is using this time to get our attention. It's all about the church and the people of God. The Lord will come back for a church without spot nor wrinkle. And so, listen, it's critical that the body of Christ heed this important warning. The good news is that there's one more round. We're not done. We're not defeated. We can still turn this around. The end is not yet. God is calling the misfits, the underdogs, the prodigals, those who feel rejected. So it's time to stand. And uh, I wish I could get into more of this. It's all in my book, Come Out From Among Them. You can find it right now, pastortodbook.com. This is chapter four. It's called The Great Reprieve. And uh, we'll talk more about this next week, a little bit different, but uh, I think this is such a timely word. Did this? Did you get something from this? Write me. Let me know that you did. PastorTodd.org. We love you and we bless you. We'll see you again next week. Take me back to all- Thank you so much for tuning in to today's broadcast. This broadcast is listener supported, which means that we wholly rely on your donations and support. Please pray about being a monthly partner to this ministry. Many people tell us thank you for putting out the content that we do, that we're speaking about issues that a lot of ministries aren't talking about, that most ministries aren't talking about. We take tremendous heat for it, and um, there are a lot of moving parts, and we have a lot of plates spinning. We're trying to keep everything that we have going, going, plus continuing to layer on new things that will help the body of Christ to be equipped and set up for success. And we have quite an ambitious goal and vision. So I just want to thank you for considering to become a monthly partner at this ministry. My name is Pastor Todd Coconado, and you can find out all the information about the ministry by going to pastortodd.org. That's pastortodd.org. And you can also find out about how to be a monthly partner by going to that website, pastortodd.org. Thank you so much. I humbly appreciate you tremendously. Without our partners, we could not be taking back the territory that we already are. And we've seen some tremendous victories in the last few years, and this is just the beginning. We believe this is the end time harvest, and it is critical, crucial, and important that we speak truth boldly in this hour, and we are willing to do that. And I'm so thankful for you, the Remnant community, that makes that possible. We love you, we bless you, and we'll see you again soon.